This is Framed, a podcast where a group of friends get together once a week to talk about movies, what we liked about them, what we didn't like, and how they're made. I'm Elliot. I'm Robert. And I'm Brennan. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing Duel, Steven Spielberg's first feature-length film. Um, so I was thinking that it could probably be a good place to start to just go around and uh, say initial thoughts of the film. That's one option. Or we can just kind of like chronologically go through the film. What what would you guys prefer to do? Hmm. I actually kind of like the idea of chronologically going through the beats of the film, but maybe we could like just talk about general opinions about it first, and then we can kind of move through. And go, then go chronologically after that. Yeah, see if that works. Okay. Do you want to start, Elliot? Yeah. Um, so I this was my first time watching Duel. Um, <clears throat> I I kind of went into it. I, I knew what it was about. I knew that it was like a guy on a road trip who gets chased down by a truck. But beyond that, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I I was kind of um, surprised at how tense I got watching this. I don't, I don't know if it had that effect on me just because, you know, I've, I've taken a lot of like cross country road trips by myself and that kind of paranoia of like being out in the middle of nowhere, you know, I, I could relate to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I thought that, uh, you know, Spielberg, uh, he's, he's clearly, you know, studied classic techniques of, like, just cranking up the tension little by little. Like, at first, like, the first couple instances with the truck I didn't find to be that scary. And then, like, the more times the truck kept coming back, the more anxious I got watching it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was pretty tense by the end of it. Um, Wait, there was a truck in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, it's not not as polished as uh, his later work, obviously, but for sure you could tell it was Spielberg. I thought. Yeah, Brendan, what about you? Well, so hmm, where to start? Um, I felt like it was kind of dry. There was no real drive to it. But at the same time, I I did f- feel that intensity like Ellie was talking about. I can relate. I mean, I haven't been in a situation near this bad, but I've had some crazy road, ra- road rage people that have done similar things. So I kind of related to it. I haven't had someone follow me for that long, but... <laughs> um, I don't know. It was. Can can I share a story really quick of like a a real life instance where something like this has happened to me? So, um, on one of my many cross country road trips, there was this stretch of road where it was two lanes going one way. Um, and there's this truck that I was trying to get around. Um, and actually there, there was a, uh, a truck up ahead as well. It was like I was trying to like zigzag through these two trucks, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I get over in the left lane to get around this guy, and I start, you know, accelerating to get past him. But the second truck who's ahead of me is not budging. So I'm kind of like trapped in between these two trucks now. And then a third truck comes up from behind, 
and then like boxes me in so i'm like trapped between these three trucks for like a good chunk of time and none of them none of them are moving so i just have to suspect that there was like some kind of like they have, they have some secret signal system going like okay we're gonna mess with this guy we're gonna box him in and oh, well they have radios it's not really secret they they all have the ability to oh, communicate with one another do they even if you're like yes. yeah. different trucking companies yes yeah oh, they all have CV radios I did not know that they're, well that explains it so they, yeah. they were and like it, we're it's just not gonna... uncommon for them to you know say oh there's this jack wagon who's cutting us off or whatever let's teach him a lesson and, you know, <laughs> do a rolling red block interesting okay so that must have been what happened to me not that we have anything against truckers they oh. help America be American <laughs> yeah even if they're pains in the butt sometimes. <laughs> Robert, what did you think? Yeah, so, like you two, I hadn't seen this movie before. Um, I'm a big Spielberg fan, so in uh, different interviews I've seen of his, I've heard him talk about uh, the ending sequence. So I knew how it ended, um, but uh, I was going into it mostly blind. Honestly, I was concerned that the premise couldn't sustain itself for a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, you know, if you pitch it, you're like, that's an interesting, you know, short film. Yeah. Um, but the idea of keeping the intensity ratcheted up for 90 minutes of a truck who's mad at a car seems ambitious. Mm-hmm. Did it um, start as a short story? Yeah, so it was a short story written by uh, one of the writers of uh, The Twilight Zone. Right, Um, Richard Matheson. Yep. Uh, That he originally wanted to do it as a film, but like me, most people said you can't sustain that for a film. (laughs) Um, So he wrote it in a short, and it was published in uh, Playboy. And Spielberg's assistant had read it, and she gave it to him and said, you need to read this. And he was like, it's in Playboy, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> that's where all great literature comes from. That's, that's yeah, I, I read it for the articles. Um, so he read it, and the assistant also knew that it had been optioned and Paramount, I think it was Paramount, um, I'm going to look really stupid if it wasn't Paramount. Um, <laughs> so again, had, we're not fact-checking. Had uh, bought it to uh, make it into a movie, so he called up the producer and was like, hey, um, there's no reason you should let me do this, but you should let me do this. Yeah, because so, Spielberg said that. Yes. Yeah, because he was not a household name at that point. No, he was known in the industry as this whiz kid-ish. He was the youngest studio director that had ever been hired. Hmm. Um, But he had a reputation as a guy who was in love with lenses but didn't know how to talk to actors. Hmm. Wasn't this like one of his like second or third? This was his first feature film. Oh, was it his first? Oh. Yeah. So he had done some shorts um, before this, right? He had done some television. Television, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. And this was ABC released it. It was a made-for-TV movie yeah. um, that was popular enough that they went back and uh, did a theatrical release, 
um, which they had to add to it because for movie, uh, for TV movies, they only needed to shoot 70 minutes with commercials would be 90 minutes. Um, So the sequence um, when he's getting pushed into the train was added later. Oh, interesting. I would have thought that the uh, scene with the school bus was what, what got added. <clears throat> the, oh, that one. Yeah, that scene felt a little extraneous to me, but that that's interesting. It was the train scene. It might have also been the school bus, but I know for sure the train scene was added later. Okay, that is interesting. I that yeah, the train scene was kind of like the moment for me where it started to kind of like escalate, and I was getting like palpably nervous watching this. Yeah, so yeah that that hit me at about the school bus part whenever it just appeared at the end I felt like mm-hmm. I uh Spielberg is often quoted as being a fan of Hitchcock mm-hmm. I could, you um, could see that uh, that influence I felt here. like, a, yeah, I I felt like Hitchcock's influence was strongest as it's ever been mm-hmm. um, in this film I feel like Spielberg stands more on Spielberg in the rest of his movies mm-hmm. um, and we'll get into that with his later works as we watch through them this month but um, this one you could definitely feel the Hitchcockian influence all the shots on the hands mm-hmm. the, uh, the the slow right. build yeah. in motion it was all there Um I mean, it also it also yeah. felt to me like a, um, and I mean, it, this probably is obvious because it was it came from one of the writers of the Twilight Zone, but this did feel like an extended Twilight Zone episode to me, like yeah. just the the premise that like doesn't quite make sense in like with like real world logic, but you can like understand the like the the main characters like the situation he's in, and you can sympathize and. You know. So let's let's talk about that. The idea of this trucker being pushed to want to kill him um, is ridiculous. Right. Like if if you tried to pitch this to a studio right now, it, no one would buy it. What's the motivation for the trucker? Right. It, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um. But do you think it worked? What 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 were your feelings of this unjustified villain? It it worked for me because um, I was kind of looking at it through the the viewpoint of like the trucker being like an otherworldly force almost. The, mm-hmm. the trucker is never really properly established as a character that we see. Yes, I, I mean there's a possibility, I guess, that we see him in the diner scene, but that's never confirmed. Like they, they oh, leave it, interesting. They leave it yeah. pretty ambiguous yeah. whether you actually see the trucker or not. But I, I like to think of him as like this otherworldly force. Um, that you know, kind of comes into this guy's life. Uh, I I kind of saw the movie as like he the guy. What's his What's his real name? Or, or his his act? The character's name? The Dennis Weaver uh, character? Do you, man, something man. David Mann was that it? David Mann, something yes. like that. Yeah, David's. Um, that this was like a force coming into his life to um, kind of make him become a man. Like, no, no pun intended with. Because that's I like completely agree. Yeah. <clears throat> they had this. Oh, no, that was a good point. They had this whole um, sequence at the beginning. I guess we're kind of getting into the, the chronological stepping through the movie now. But the the opening like five minutes of the movie is him listening to this broadcast of a guy who's taking his census 
and he's embarrassed. He's like talking to the census taker, and he's embarrassed about the fact that his wife is the head of the household. So uh-huh. I was listening to that, thinking, okay, this has got to be symbolic somehow. Like yep. they wouldn't spend this much time on it if it yeah. wasn't important to the rest of it. And then it keeps going through about like he talk. He then talks to other people about that same situation, right? And like, like keep having that. He keeps having this inner monologue about his lack of manliness. Mm-hmm. Right, he keeps looking for opportunities to assert himself as a man. Um, and he, he had the, the conversation with his wife, too. Like, apparently they had a fight where, you know, something happened to her at a party and he didn't stand up for her. So, mm-hmm. to me, the whole thing with the truck driver is, like, this kind of, like, supernatural force that kind of, like, you know, pushes him to the limit to, uh, like, go through some kind of character transformation. Yeah, I would definitely say that this is a prime example of man versus machine. Mm, yeah, and, actually, yeah, you're totally right. And they they did a very um, intentional job of keeping the machine a machine, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it, it was this faceless villain. Mm-hmm. Um, the truck itself was a character. The actor of the truck driver was just the stunt driver. Mm-hmm. The oh. guy they hired to do this was just always the driver. I didn't so know that. whenever you see the boots or anything, it's him. Or the hand waving him yeah. up. Yep. Yeah. So I was disappointed though with on the topic of the truck itself that it didn't explode at the end. Oh, so interesting, yes. but you're jumping out of order. Oh, I don't want to oh. I don't want to get there yet. Okay, we'll we'll come back to um, that. But we we will talk about that for days. Um Okay, so starting at the very beginning, the uh, the choice to not show people for uh, almost three minutes, probably during the opening sequence. What did what did we think of that? I liked it. I felt like it started getting that suspense built up. It was at first I was the first little bit. Bef- I was kind of confused until they actually started in on the census whatever thing part. But I helped. I felt like it helped build the suspense but at the same time I was I don't I personally don't like really long intro scenes like that yeah that's that's definitely was in vogue back in the 70s and something that we yeah. don't do any like we do the opposite now we do cold opens we we jump right in into mm-hmm. the middle of the action and then back up and set things up didn't they have uh, I'm gonna like show my lack of like movie history knowledge here but didn't they have like rules back then about like you had to put certain names at the beginning of the film rather than the end. Yeah, like, you had to have opening credits. In, in contracts, there there were and still are rules so, about pre pre credits rather than post credits because they definitely don't do that as much anymore. No. Yeah. So um, on one hand, that that kind of felt like why the the opening sequence where we don't see anybody was there just to get the credits out of the way on the other hand it did like kind of put me in that road trip kind of frame of mind like you know because you, you we don't see the driver so you as the audience member kind of sort of fill that role in a way you become the driver yeah yeah, yeah. so it it personally put me to ease it set me up saying you're in good hands here hmm. um because uh, when Duel shows up in the tunnel, right in between the lights of the tunnel, and then it drops out, 
right before the tunnel ends. Um, that just to me was like perfectly edited in there. All the names appeared as we were going into tunnels and then left just before we got out of the tunnels. And it just, it felt polished. It felt like you're in hands of someone that knows what they're doing. Mm. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Right. I can see that. I'm trying to remember what happened in the first segment of the movie, the first couple standoffs he has with the truck. I guess he calls his wife first, doesn't he? No. um, No. Go ahead, Brennan. I was just going to say, he didn't call her until they got to the gas station whenever he, like, he thought that the truck was way behind or ahead of him one or the other and then he pulls up to the gas station and the truck comes up to him the first little bit was um he comes up behind the semi the diesel exhaust is like making him cough and whatever and then he passes the truck and then the truck basically roars past him real fast and then they kind of have that first duel and Mm. truck starts honking at him and right then they get to the gas station and he calls his wife. That's right. And... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I, yep. I don't know that I have a whole lot on that. Those first couple duels. Like it's just, we're just still kind of getting set up. Yeah. I, I thought that, uh, it was a good choice to have the diesel exhaust bothering him. Mm. So this character isn't just a impatient. I'm in a hurry. I've got to get things done. Yeah guy he you know he he got around him so that he could breathe better so sure he had a legitimate reason for passing the truck in the first place yeah Yeah. and i think it was important to do that so that we immediately are on his side Mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally but then we get to the gas station what did we think of this sequence it definitely it definitely made the, I felt like it made the uh, truck driver a little bit more impatient and mad at the uh, at David the attendant or and the attendant both, but it upped his anger because he was taking care of this guy, other guy and taking his time with him and mm. not having anyone. He kept honking at him. him. Yeah, I just thought of something actually. Like uh, so, like when he goes into the gas station to talk to his wife. Um, the, the way that the, that scene is framed, um, there's, like, these washing machines in the foreground. And yeah. so he's, like, kind of, like, the, 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 the shot is framed so that he's, like, seen through the, the glass of the washing machine. That yeah. kind of gets back to that whole, like, uh, inverted, uh, you know, gender status kind of stuff that they're, uh, you know, kind of alluding to earlier in the film that, like, he's... You know, you know, I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's like these. He's more feminine. He's more yeah. feminine. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, because he's framed by this washing machine circle. So the wife was a very, I thought, a very great touch because it gave us everything we needed to know about this character mm-hmm. in a not um, super expositiony way. Yeah, and it did nothing else. We didn't. We didn't jump back to her. Mm-hmm. Originally, Spielberg debated putting her in the car with him, mm. um, which would have been a completely different movie. Yeah, I feel. oh totally. yeah, it would be. 
So, um, but the other thing that happens at the gas station, other than finding out who this character is and basically the theme of the whole movie, you know, are you a man? Are you going to take care of things? Stand up for yourself. Um, we also get the first uh, Chekhov's rifle. That's true, the radiator hose. The radiator yeah. hose. The attendant right. says, oh, this needs to be replaced. And he says, I've heard that before. <laughs> so right there, we're setting this up. Right. I Yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, okay, they're drawing attention to the radiator hose. This is going to come back at some point. Yep. <clears throat> and then we also see um, a very repeated style that isn't necessarily Spielbergian, um, but we see all these different small pieces of the truck driver. We see his boots, we mm. see his hands, but we don't see him, which is something that Spielberg does repeatedly when he's introducing characters, particularly villains. Um, if you think of E.T., you don't see the face of the agent until, like, 20 minutes before the end. You see his keys. Yeah, I never thought you about always that know about his keys. That's um, true. With, that is true with a lot. I've never thought about that before, but thinking back to all of Spielberg's other movies I've seen, he does do that a lot. He really likes to give you just pieces of a character before revealing the character. It reminded me of the shark in the first Jaws, where you don't see the shark directly for a good chunk of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. The shark only shows up like you know 40 50 minutes into the movie but you see like all of the effects of the shark like right. the effect that it's having on the people like the the people that it's killed anyway that's a different movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah so from there we we leave the gas station and the duel really begins at this point it's no longer just annoyance but at this point it's it's more intense right this is um, the, the sequence where he's like trying to get him to keep accelerating yeah first he waves him on into oncoming traffic right. and then uh, he has the the first hundred mile an hour driving mm-hmm. portion. so at, at this point in the film I I was thinking more um Oh, what's the term for it? Uh, I won't worry about the term yet. You'll know the term once say it. Um, I did notice, I kind of predicted the ending by um, the colors and how, like the cars. Does that make sense? Because mm. you've got, because in a lot of, you've got the villain, which obviously is the dark, dirty semi truck. And then you've got what ends up at the end being in quotes the superhero this red vehicle hmm. that ends up this guy ends up I didn't know exactly how it was, I really expected the truck which is going to the end we'll talk about that later but I really expected the truck to blow up as well somehow towards the end because I think does it somewhere on the site it says it's it's, it's was it a fuel semi what was all yep, in it it's a fuel truck yeah so I really expected it to blow up sometime <laughs> overheat or something but getting out of self i this was me reading into the future of the movie um but i 
kind of read into something happening bad like that because of the the colors color of the contrast and vehicles. Yeah, and yeah. How in a lot how in a lot of movies you've got definitely in the seventies where a lot of those the good superhero type people, good guys are bright colors and normally save the day, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Nothing bad quote unquote happens to them. Then you got that semi yeah, I had I had noticed that. I, I wonder if that was intentional in the way they they chose the vehicles. Yeah. So Spielberg wanted a red car because he wanted it to stand out on all the brown desertness. Hmm. Um, but he didn't care past that. But you know that the um, the the designer. Uh, knew what was going on because did anyone notice what type of car it was? It was, yeah, I did at one point. I can't remember off the top of my head now, though. It was, it was a uh, Plymouth Valiant. Valiant, that's oh. what it was. So I thought that was a very clever little nod of the hat of how we're going to end this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um... And again, playing on the theme of this this character wants to be valiant, this character wants to be a man, mm-hmm. but yeah. he fails, uh, just as the car fails. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, I, I thought there were there were many Chekhov rifles in this film, but the other thing that happens at the gas station is as soon as he calls, uh, wife says, did you have a crash? And he says, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> No crashes. Nothing will probably happen, I think, is what right. he says. And then we turn around and we have a crash in, you know, probably the course of seven miles, I think it is. You see a, <laughs> a sign for a diner in seven miles, and then we end up crashing into a fence. Which, can I just say, that probably bothered me more than anything else in this film, that he did not try to find the owner oh, yeah. of the fence. I thought of and, that too. It's yeah. like I thought it was the the first like farmer guy that comes up and talks yeah. to him. He never says sorry about the fence. No, he makes no attempt to <laughs> deal with the fence. It bothered me so much. <laughs> and then the whole, the whole, well, and even so, I felt like first off, kind of going back to that gas the gas station. I liked the shot through the um, washing machine. I felt like that had a symbolism mm-hmm. but I also didn't like I felt like there was no point of I mean I guess you had to have someone open up the um, washer but I felt like the between that lady that opened up the washer and then that farmer guy that was just standing there like <laughs> which which could have been the owner of the fence we don't know but I felt like those two characters were so were kind of pointless mm. in some aspects. Yeah, I think they were just trying to populate the world and give yeah. it more texture. Right, and a lot of these road trip movies, you get like these little like one line, or if if that, you know, like little bit characters that are just there to kind of, yeah. Yeah, I just wish there would have been like, like Robert said, with like if that would have been the farmer that you're into some sort of interaction there, and maybe some sort of interaction between man and that lady, instead of her just coming in. Mm -hmm. I mean, it did give it some depth and whatnot in that 
in the gas station when he's on the phone, but yeah, I, I think the focus of that scene was probably the the wife. That uh, we're, yeah, I think that was like the 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 uh, the text of the, that scene. Whereas I think the washing machine thing was more like the subtext of like, yeah, addressing themes rather than the story. Yeah. So so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Let's talk about the diner scene. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a lot that happened there. There's a lot. Uh, that was a that was probably my favorite scene. That scene was seemed the most Twilight Zoney to me. I mean, just because yeah, of all of the paranoid internal monologuing that happened. It, you know, yeah. Should we talk about the internal monologues before we jump in? I, did those work for you? What did What did you think of that? It was a little jarring for me at first because the we don't get internal monologues until we get to the diner. Like, yeah. it just suddenly comes into the plot, but. I actually prefer that in movies, like if the characters by themselves to have an internal monologue rather than they're talking out loud about stuff that the plot needs them to say. So for me, I thought this was a great example of young, inexperienced Spielberg. Mm -hmm. I did not love the, uh, the voiceovers. Oh, interesting. I thought frequently we probably could have done without them. Um, like <laughs> the radiator hose. We we know why the car's broken. You don't you don't need to say that. Um, yeah, I. It took me out of the film and reminded me you're watching a movie. Um, so yeah. I could have I could have done without the uh, the the monologues. I wonder though, like. That to me that kind of seems like an artifact of like days gone by in movies. Like I, internal monologuing seemed to be more of a common thing. Yeah, this was I made. mean, it it's definitely at the point where um it's cliche to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are afraid to do it at this point, mm-hmm. unless if it's some coming of age romantic comedy-esque thing then they show up a little bit more um but it just it didn't land I've I've seen plenty of films where I did like internal monologues and I thought that they did work but I didn't think that this was one of them I I think though like it, it did what it needed to do to get to orient the plot at that point the diner scene is like a nice little checkpoint in the movie where the uh, David Mann character has like got some breathing room to decide what he's going to do next. So right. he made, there's like a lot of different options that he's kind of weighing in his mind. And so I think that sure. the monologuing gets all that across. Like, should he go to the police? Should he like go confront the guy? <laughs> you know, he, he kind of runs through all his options. Um so from that standpoint, I you know it, it did the job of what it was trying to do. But yeah, it it definitely advanced the story. It just wasn't my favorite choice made. Yeah. <clears throat> so I want to talk about the boots in this. Okay. Um, yeah. That that whole thing where he was trying to identify the driver by his boots worked for me because enough time had passed that I forgot what the original boots looked like. Yeah. So yes. it, it yes. I was in that in his exact 
position where it's like, no, wait, I don't don't remember which like which like brand of boots it was. Like, which of these guys is it, or is he even in the diner? You know, right. And then then it got to like the scuffs, which reminded me, oh yeah, the guy whenever because when the guy got out of the truck at the gas station, you see him like kind of scratching off his boots and Mm -hmm. rubbing up up against the uh, semi and whatnot. Then that he's like he while he's at the diner, he sees those with that guy that obviously didn't end up being the truck driver end up yeah being that just a farmer i i didn't follow like how he came to the conclusion that it was the guy he ended up having the the fight with like how did yeah what what was your read on that like why did he pick that guy um i think he had eliminated the other guys up at the bar at that point mm. so i think he was paranoid at this point. Yeah, and right. Just kind of was going with the... I, I don't think he knew for sure when he walked over to him. Right. I got the impression that he was like, you can stop, you know? Just as like, a, let's see how he responds and then I'll go off there. But then the guy responded kind of hostilely mm-hmm. and I think that's what ended up kind of pushing him. Right, and he wasn't really like in his a uh, sound frame of mind at that point. Right. Which, to your point, the uh, monologue was good at making you realize. Mm-hmm. It seems like they used to do that a lot on the Twilight Zone. Um, yeah. I'm having trouble thinking of a specific example right now, but it seems like there were they'd usually do, like, characters, like, having... Like, you know, if a character got to the point where it's like, am I crazy? Like, what's going on? They would be, like, monologuing with themselves to try to work it out. Right. <clears throat> okay, well, uh, I'm trying... What, what happened next? So he gets back on the road. Well, to jump back a little bit, I really loved the log shot going into the diner, back to the bathroom, and then back out to the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, because you got to remember, this is a time before steady cams, so that was impressive. I thought it it was really cool. That is true, and it, the effect was nice because the truck's not there when he goes in, and then it's parked outside when he. Then it's parked out. when he comes out. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, and there were no cuts, so yeah. I, I liked that too. I, I had forgotten that that was like an un, a long, unbroken shot. Um, but he leaves and he gets to your favorite scene, the school bus. Ah, yes, the school bus. <clears throat> um, so yeah, this one. Uh, I don't know. I think it. I think it worked. I guess in in terms of like continuing to establish this guy's ineptitude at being a man. Um, cause you got all the kids like making fun of him as he's trying to yeah. scoot the, the bus with his little car. Um, Which was funny. yeah, it was, it was, it was funny. It was like, I guess it, uh, it seemed like a departure into comedy that didn't really jive with the tone of the rest of it, I guess. Um, that's how it struck me. Like, what did you guys think? I kind of agree on the, what you were saying about the comedy part. Like you're, You've already hyped, like, you're already getting this hype going, hype going, hype going. Mm-hmm. 
And then all of a sudden you have this scene where he tries with his little valiant car trying to push this bus along. And then you have the semi coming. I also felt like the semi coming in and helping. I don't know. I've just, it was awkward for me. Yeah, that was, it was a little strange to have the the semi, yeah, the truck driver just suddenly be like, I'm going to help this school bus. It's like the the truck driver only has it in for for David, but he'll help a bus full of children, which was odd. Yeah. I guess it, it yeah. does kind of like go back to the, the whole, you know, theme of like the the truck being like this manly force <laughs> that's uh you know I, I don't know that can do what David can right yeah 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 um so my problem with this scene was it sent me in a completely different direction than what it was trying to do mm-hmm. because I started to think that the truck wasn't real at this point. Oh, yeah, actually, no, I... I did think about that at the... At the... From him appearing at the end of the tunnel, and then whenever he appeared... Well, he he asks the school bus driver, why didn't you ask the truck for help? Oh, yeah, and that's what it was. I remember that. He ne- and he never specifically mentions the truck to anyone in the diner either, so right. I, I was kind of thinking along the same train of thought, is that, like, maybe yeah. this truck isn't actually real, and he's just... Right, maybe it. he is going crazy, and and it's really man versus himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it set that up for me, right. and then it comes along and then helps the yeah. bus, which proves that it's real... Right. Um, which then I was like, okay, well then I, I, I don't know what we're doing anymore, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I and mean, even if that scene had got cut, you had the the snake farm scene later where he's like yeah. running everything yeah. down. <clears throat> but yeah, so I yeah I, I would not have I I would have cut the that school bus scene out. I'll I mean it doesn't really add that. What much. a Spielberg! No, he should have asked us. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. We're... (laughs) I'm going to back away from that one. (laughs) Um, Let's think. I think Um, the train scene was next, where he's, like, trying to get run into the train. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was was a great amount of suspense right there, because, like, what do you do in that situation? You you can't do anything. Yeah. Talk about a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was where the uh, yeah, I, I I was impressed Though, with how it was shot too. Like, this is in the days pre computer graphics, right? So mm-hmm. everything you saw was real, and I I thought that they they handled it nicely to where you know they clearly weren't actually putting anyone in danger, but you know you you know you felt the you danger. You felt the danger. Yeah. 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 It does bring up my chief complaint with the film, which is that David Mann is probably the world's worst driver. <laughs> yeah, because um, he was only like, what was his max speed? Like ninety at one point. Mm-hmm. I think. He ended up hitting a hundred eventually. Oh, yeah, but remember. and remember, these are older cars, worse tires, right. all of that. But still, true, he's but... he's not paying attention to the road, and when he's driving like 
60. He's swerving all over the place. Yeah, because... exactly. That's, I just thought that was... So at the end of the train, he, like, slams it into drive and then immediately drives off the road instead of just <laughs> following the road. And it's because that scene was shot later and they needed to get the truck in front again. Oh. Um, but... <laughs> I didn't know that. You don't... If you don't know that information, from just a story standpoint, <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. So, earlier, the scene where he the truck was, like, causing him to accelerate, I kind of had the same thought that, like, man, this guy is a bad driver if he's, like, only pushing, like, 70, 80... You know, yeah. he's, he's like starts swerving all over the road. Because I, yeah. I have driven that fast, on um, you know to you know pass people. But oh, yeah. he likes, well, like I, you said, I it's older that, cars. I drive that. Yeah, I drive that fast on the daily. I mean, <laughs> older cars, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I didn't think about the fact that it's older, but still, it, it's an older car. But still, he's he's a little unexcusably bad <laughs> at driving. <laughs> Yeah, and some of the other chase scenes, yeah, he's like swerving all over the road, like getting into the other, other, yeah, other for, side of the road for for frequently no reason whatsoever. He <laughs> loses control of his car. Yeah. Meanwhile, this eighteen wheeler has no problems. Can I ask a question? Like, just getting away from the the minutia yeah. here, just about the plot in general. So he's he's going on this trip to meet with a uh, like to to do like a business deal, right? Mm-hmm. So, we we established that, and then we also established he's trying to get back home that same night to do like dinner with his wife and her mother. Right, his mother. Right. Well, so but like, it takes him like he. I mean, he never arrives at the for his meeting, but you know right. he spends all day driving. How is he yeah. gonna like double back the same day to to do the dinner? Well, remember, he takes a nap halfway through. Okay, fine. I, I, yeah, but still, it's like... I was expecting him to get to his destination at about noon so that he could start heading in the reverse direction, but... Yeah, after a meeting. Yeah. Um, but it does beg the question, when he takes the nap, and it's clear he's not going to make his meeting anyway, why doesn't he just go home? Why does he continue I, towards yeah, the question for me. That's true, because he does say Cause... like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to make that meeting now. Why does he keep going? Yeah. Especially because he's trying What's to lose way? the truck at that point. The best yeah. thing you could have done in that moment is turn around, around and go the other way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you just ruined this whole movie for me, Robert. <laughs> Sorry. I'm good at that. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> with this movie that's just been ruined, I, I think we... <laughs> Are at the point of the nap. Yeah, yeah. He takes the nap to try to lose the the truck. Any thoughts or comments on that? I liked the effect. I, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brennan. Nope, you go ahead. You go ahead. I liked the effect of the train coming by with the same horn sound that was we've associated up to this point with the truck. I thought that was a nice film trick. Yeah. I've seen it done a lot where you use a sound effect that the audience has become familiar with to deliberately mislead them. So yep. I thought that was a nice... Uh, Spielberg's using all his tools for this one. He he is, yeah. Well, and on the process of talking about tools, I'm going to... This goes a little bit off from the scene. I was doing some research on this after I watched it, 
and the budget for this was only like four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, it uh, it was a made for TV movie, um, which and at the same time surprised four fifty back in the seventies has a lot a more buying power. Exactly, but, yeah. but I was like, my question was, where did that? I don't see where that budget went. I it probably mostly for the crew, because um, you think a lot of the shots that they got, you know, were would take a long time to set up. You'd need a lot of camera operators to make sure that the, you know, yeah. the, they did a lot of like. Sh- it was definitely a, like, I felt like more of a low budget film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's almost in the realm of like, an indie crew could do it today. N- yes. Not quite, not yeah. quite. Some of it is would still be hard to pull off if you were if you were a no budget indie crew, but. Yeah. So interestingly. Um, he, Spielberg, was very adamant that he wanted to shoot this all on location. Mm. Um, because he thought if they used plates, um, it, it wouldn't look real and there wouldn't be any suspense. Yeah. But, you gotta remember, this is a made-for-TV movie, uh, with a relatively small budget. So he was told uh, if he could shoot plates the beginning of the first day so that he had them, and then if he could stay on schedule for the first three days on location, he could shoot the rest. Now, his entire schedule was like 12 days, I think, for oh, filming man. this, uh, which is just nightmaric. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't picture shooting did, this in 12 days. He didn't. Um, but he did stay on schedule for the first three days, which allowed him to shoot it all on location. Mm. Um, I think he ended up taking 16 days. Mm. It's not too bad to go no. over. Um, and I think it was the right choice. I think if you tried to to use plates and, you know, back projections for the yeah. car, it just it wouldn't have wouldn't have held the same power. It wouldn't have worked at all. Like, and you would have been totally limited to like two or three angles on the cars. Whereas with this, the way he did shoot it, you know, he, he shoots those vehicles about from every possible angle you could think of. Yeah. Yeah. They, he definitely did the right thing. I, I am not a fan of, of rear projection. No. And I don't understand why it's coming back. I see it in... in it's coming back with a vengeance. Why? I see it in, like, Netflix shows, in, like, Stranger Things, even. They use back projection for car scenes, yeah, and it drives me bonkers. I feel like... Because all of Stranger Things is shot in a studio, um, on a soundstage, and that's, like, purposeful. So with Stranger Things, I feel like that's a stylistic choice, but that's yeah. neither here nor yeah, there. Yeah, sorry. Um... <laughs> But, um, what was I going to say? Um, 12 days filming, low budget, are, rear production. Are we at the snake farm oh. scene? Yeah, let's, let's jump to the snake farm. Yeah. So, that phone booth shot, like, I don't know how they filmed that, where he's in the phone booth and the truck is coming up from behind and yeah. runs it down, like... <laughs> Again, it's like before computer-generated trickery. So what yeah. you saw was real. I don't know how they like got yeah. the truck going at that speed, that close, you know, without. The... So 
that uh, that was actually Dennis Weaver doing oh, that whole man. sequence um, <laughs> because he he believed in 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 that shot. He he was like, it it won't look good if we have to just shoot the back of my head because it's a double. Like, let's do it. And it was done in one take. They were prepared. They had the ability to erect a second phone booth if needed. Um, but both angles, the the close-up with it appearing in the background and Dennis Weaver jumping towards the camera as it uh, plows past behind them uh, was all at the same time, just two different cameras. Um, and they had flags set up that the stunt driver had set up, and if if Dennis Weaver wasn't out of the booth by the time he got to that flag, he would just abort and drive past the booth um, instead of hitting it. Yeah. And it, it was just Spielberg saying, Dennis, move! And Dennis moving, and Man. they did it the first try. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I believe, I'm trying to think, because I know Dennis Weaver was in, what, Gun? Smoke and McC- he was McLeod, and I'm pretty sure he did his own stunts in those. I could be wrong, and I mean he, I feel like he does most of his own stunts anyway. So he had he was used to it. I hadn't I mean, seen not, him in not anything to, else before this. I'd seen him in McLeod and Gunsmoke because he was McLeod. Yeah. That's possible. I mean, I think that was. Granted, I don't think, and I don't, to my remembering, I don't think any of his stunts before then was that extensive of a semi coming at him in a phone booth. <laughs> but I, I think we will see some more Dennis Weaver because I would assume that when we do Orson Welles, we'll do a Touch of Evil, uh, uh, yeah. and he's in that. Um, yeah. But. Uh, that actually, that film was what made Spielberg really want him. Hmm, interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, the the spider on his leg. Was that real too, uh, I assume? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that wasn't in the script, that was all the, the snake farm, uh, and having the snakes jump around him and the spider on his leg was all Spielberg's idea. That, to me, seemed like a, uh, a proto-Indiana Jones moment. Yes, like, yes. We would see this again uh, later. In... There, there's a lot of you will see this again um, throughout this film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, he gets back on the road Um. Is the scene with the elderly couple in the car what happens next? When he's yeah, uh, yeah. So, I thought that that was a scene that that did kind of take me out of it because I, I knew that the plot dictated that he couldn't get help from the outside world at this point. But like the fact that the elderly couple like freaked out and Didn't drove away help. was a little like okay that he he was not freaking out enough. To the point where they would like just like drive off and leave him. Yeah, I don't know. It. Uh, I, I was a little shocked by the woman's response, but it didn't take it out for me. Like it oh, worked for me. I just thought of something. Like 
was the the elderly woman like kind of driving that conversation telling the guy what to do yes so uh, so that like feeds back into the the theme here oh yeah the women being the women being the head of household yeah yeah interesting okay i i, I rescind my earlier statement about this scene <laughs> <laughs> So from there, we we are led to the the climax. Right, this is the, kind of a big finish now. The Radiator. car starting to die, yeah. Can I just make a side comment here that I thought that the use of music in this was really good? I, yeah! I thought that it was never overbearing, like the, it was you know nice and sparing throughout and... I, I don't know if I would even call it music. It was very... No, it was just kind of... It was a... Uh, what is that? The, it was just like undertone of it. Like you didn't 100% notice it, but it was there. Mm-hmm. There there was definite um, nods to like Psycho in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he used... I forget what all instruments, but like random like African drums mm. and like glass bells and stuff to get a very visceral sounding score yeah, that yeah. I, I agree. I think it, it fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was it was nice and chaotic, like it fit with what you were seeing. Yeah. So yeah, we're in the final final duel now, if you will. Um I would argue that we're finally at a duel. That's um, true. I would say it's a game of cat and mouse until the end, yeah. and then and then there is a duel at the very end. Yeah, because yeah. you have the shot where the the driver is like waving him on, like yeah, he's 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 sort of saying like you don't have any other options except to fight me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought this whole last sequence was was very well shot. Um. The uh, he he maintained a nice level of tension throughout, like maybe a hair too long, but I you know not to the point where I was like, you know, no, checking I my thought, watch or anything. Right, I thought the editing was very very crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, uh, they have five editors edit this film. Oh, is that not that that does seem excessive? I guess. Yeah, it it was because of the need. I think they had like a three week turnaround oh, from wow. final shot to when it was supposed to air. That's crazy. Um, so uh, because of that, uh, different different editors were editing different portions, mm-hmm. and Spielberg was just had a bicycle on the studio lot and was jumping from building to building, seeing what was being done. Mm. Um, but yes, the editor, and I, I don't know who it was, but the one that did the final sequence, he stole a bunch of driving shots from earlier in the film, um, to create a much quicker cut, mm-hmm. um, so that he could have a faster pace because there just wasn't enough, uh, coverage of that actual sequence, mm-hmm. um, to have a super quick cut, um, but he set a very good tempo, I thought. Yeah. Just it's, it's building a long, the tension. It's a long sequence too, and they maintain the tension pretty well throughout that whole that whole time. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's attack the elephant in the room. <laughs> the uh, the tron explosion. Not exploding. Okay. So first of all, 
In the short story, the truck explodes. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna so I'm gonna is... go out on a limb and say that they meant for it to explode, but that it didn't go off on the day of shooting, and they just had to leave it. But that's okay. That's that's a guess. I'm not. That's yeah. not based on anything. But they're la- they're low budget. That we're, I was talking about earlier. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe it could have been the budget also. All right, Robert, what what was it? Okay, so uh, the writer imagined an explosion. It's a fuel truck, after all. Right. The studio had the same reaction as you two, and were like, uh, no, go back and shoot an explosion. Uh, this isn't going to work. Um, but... Spielberg really wanted the truck to be empty so it wouldn't explode, and he wanted that sense of uh, a beast slowly dying. So you get the, the the radiator fluid bleeding out like blood. You get the tire just slowly coming to a stop. He he wanted it to feel like a death, not a crash. Mm. And, I- and I personally agree with. Decision. I thought that it it landed quite well. I and you never see the driver actually after the truck goes mm-hmm. over the edge. It's it just focuses on the truck. As well, doesn't wasn't but there was a honk though, wasn't there? It goes over. I don't. Or was it that right before? I'm trying to remember. What? So there is a sound as it's going over. It's actually a monster roar. Spielberg says this truck is is a Godzilla. We need to give it a, a dragon's roar as it's as it's dying. So if you watch that sequence and listen, there is a roar as it's going over the cliff. And interestingly enough, he uses that same sound in Jaws as Jaws is sinking after the explosion. Well, I, I still felt like there was a honk before. It might have even been before the truck hit the car I don't remember I could have just at that point in the movie I was kind of drifting I'm not going to lie because it was getting late um, I thought there was I could have swore there was a, the, the truck had honked that, yeah I think it did that's possible I, I was talking about like after it went over the edge like oh no after the yeah I do remember the roar at the end I wasn't sure what it was at now that you say that makes sense, I didn't know what it was at the time. But so, so now that you you've given me that that kind of context, I I do like, I can appreciate why he did yeah. it that way. Um, maybe but, maybe they shouldn't have had flammable written all over the truck. Like, for the, <laughs> yeah, the, the first eighty minutes of the movie, you know, fair. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I I think that that uh, it, it definitely gave you like a hollow like kind of empty feeling like these all of these close-ups of like this destroyed vehicle like just like you said just kind of <clears throat> slowly dying um it, it was haunting for sure I, I but like you know after it was over i was like where's the kaboom <laughs> where's the explosion where's michael bay <laughs> but yeah okay so also one last thing about the ending yeah. i do like the sudden, you know, we're done. Go to credits. Like, yeah. I, w- I thought that he was gonna, we we're gonna have to see him drive all the way back and like reunite with his wife. But like, <laughs> or like even find a way to get back home. Right, like he's like hitchhiking back or something. 
I don't know. I, the like, farmer comes up and picks him up. But I, <laughs> yeah, the like farmer if, that like, he destroyed the fence earlier. Yeah, yeah like if you I would have been fixing this boy, you could have <laughs> even like I was thinking, um, you could even you know how some movies like in the credits they'll have like some stuff in the background and like little in if it would have been me, which I obviously don't get paid the big bucks, but um, would have had like small spurts of him hitchhiking, him getting a ride at some point with someone, then him getting home and his mom leaving the house kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. Some other symmetry. <clears throat> so going back to the theme though of like this experience kind of being like his you know apotheosis moment and becoming like a new kind of person i think that the like the last shot where he's just kind of like sitting there contemplating like got the sunset behind him yeah. i think that kind of fits into the theme well because it's like you know he's he's reflecting on what just happened to him and he's you know just just like his the, his posture is kind of kind of different like yeah. he kind of seems like a different person at this point yeah, yeah. I agree. I think the 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 crazy jubilation when he sends the truck over the edge, then juxtapose, juxtapose, juxtaposed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With him sitting on the edge of the cliff and just like taking it in yeah. is a good way of ending it. Mm-hmm. I guess also like the uh, the like you said the time constraints of being a made for TV movie. They probably you know did have a whole lot of time to play around with yeah so that that could also have been but no i think that the ending works well i i liked it so the big question if you were stuck on a uh, desert island with uh <laughs> a select few films does this one make the cut no no i liked it a whole lot i mean it was a very cool like, you know, like when you you have like someone whose work you really admire, and you go back and look at their early stuff, and you can be like, oh yeah, I can kind of see, you know, this aspect cropping up in their later stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, you, it's like you're enjoying it, but you're kind of looking at it through the lens of like, you know, understanding that it's like their early stuff, right? So like, yeah, like I like I like for me, I like like a lot of the symmetry and like the all like that background stuff that most people don't think of mm-hmm. and it makes sense, that sense but as a sh- movie as a whole it would definitely be a negatory for me it's a little rough around the edges but uh not not so much so that i wouldn't watch it again uh, yeah it yeah i i think i would definitely recommend this film but i i don't think it's going to the desert <laughs> island with me so yeah. Like, do we have a limit on how many movies we can take to the desert island, or is do we just have to pick one? No, I I I think that's just like knowing that there is a finite number, and you're gonna have to watch this for eternity. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the that's the because it's easy to say, yeah, I enjoyed it at the end, but like, is this something that that you enjoyed enough that you would want to watch forever. Do I have to own the special edition Blu-ray of this? <laughs> right. And, and the answer is no. Like, right. I'd be happy to rent it again and, and watch it with, with friends, but uh, yeah. 
Probably, probably, I'd be content just watching this once and being like, that was a good movie. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, cool, guys. This was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Meeting one, a success. Next week, we lose Brennan, but we gain Phil, hopefully. Hopefully. For Private Ryan. Yes. Which is a good movie. It is a good movie. movie. Have we all seen it before? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, neato, gang. I think I'm going to go and eat dinner finally. All right. right. I'm going to go clean get ready for this cruise. Okay. Good luck, man. Have fun. All right. See y'all. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.